Hello, beautiful people. Um, this is episode 10 of season 2 of the Diary of a Bulk Billionaire podcast. This is Martin Satando here again to share some interesting things with you. Today, I'm talking about something different um, that may surprise a lot of you because this podcast has always been educational, it's always been about crypto. You know, you have you had topics like how to invest in crypto the right way, do not sell your Bitcoin and your crypto too soon, or uh, how I made my first million, and a whole lot of other things about investing, building your life, and that. But today, I want to take it to uh, a different dimension. You know, try to you know who is this Martin's guy? Who is he? Where does he come from? Or oh, where is he going? You know, I'm kind of trying to, because I get asked. A lot about this so today i'm going to take it a little bit back uh to um, i mean in my own my own my own life's journey where i started where i am now and uh i was actually writing a book about myself an autobiography of myself i've been writing it for the past three years now and it will not be ready until i'm 40 or more so but i'm just going to take portions of that place I'm not going to go back to the beginning, you know, where I was born, how I was born, the year I was born. I'm not going to tackle that right now. Maybe I can say that in later episodes or maybe when you happen to be alive by the time I'm releasing the book, maybe for the time I'm 40, maybe which is, 90, which is uh, 15 to, you know, 20 years from now, right? So today I'm taking myself back. So the topic for today is let's go back a little <clears throat> Excuse me, I have a little flu, so it might interfere. So just excuse me for that, right? So let's uh, today's topic is let's go back a little, my life's journey, and how I developed a fighting spirit. So um, let's start with the year 1999. So the year is 1999, December 1999. I travel with my mom to Accra, the capital of Ghana. My dad lived in Accra. My mom lived in the village, Bolgatanga. It's a village, uh, there's a district in Bolgatanga. After that time, it was called Talisi Nabdam District. But right now, it is called Nabdam because I've been separated. But then it was Talisi Nabdam District. And there's a village in that place called Pitanga. In the local dialect, it's pronounced Pitang. But in English, it is written Pitanga. So I traveled with my mom in the year December 1999. To Accra to go see my family. And we had all the family living in Accra, except my mom and I in the village. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we got to Accra in December 1999, a few days before Christmas. And then um, Zidane, Daniela Tando, my little brother, was born to uh, my stepmom. Uh, was uh, living with my dad. He was the first son of my stepmom. So uh, three months after Zidane was born, Zidane was born in September. So we got to Accra in December. So he was three months old when I got to Accra. And uh, the night before we arrived in Accra, we had a little cousin, or uh, our nephew, I mean, sorry, my auntie, who was living with my uncle, Fanboy, they call him Fanboy, Aditiba. He, she also gave birth to a little girl called Dinah. So she was born the night before we arrived. So I got to Accra excited. I was four years old. I was young and the first time I'd... You know, I had to travel out. I was excited. I got to meet new people. I quickly learned the Ga. Ga is a language spoken by the Accra, uh, the people of Accra. It's called Ga Adagme. That's the language we speak in Accra. So I learned it so fast, and I started speaking 
you know with the people uh i started fighting with the kids i have a whole lot of stories which are uh, the details are in my book itself so fast forward to uh, that time we actually spent christmas in accra we went to kumasi in january to go see my uncle aninga who is my, my father's uh brother we want to see his wife and then uh, his kids mohammed ibrahim and smiler and he also she also had a lot of workers in the house so we went to spend some time in kumasi we returned to accra in january of 2000 and then after a few days we headed for the village back to the village again so but after that time i was not very smart i have never been to school i have never had any formal education i just saw life to be funny you know and that was the first time i was actually seeing my dad since i grew up <clears throat> since i was born i don't remember ever seeing my dad so that was the first time i happened to have set my eyes on my father for the first time so i was excited we had our differences he beat me up because i was stubborn i did some things yeah uh and actually in that um, in that period i went to i was having some rashes on my body even right now sometimes when i eat something that is not yeah i'm that's why i'm very careful of what i eat when i eat some food that is strange i get some rashes on my body so we, they took us to uh the, the gati doctor there was a doctor in accra uh which is uh, uh what i forgot the name of the place but i can still remember it it's in tema Newtown, accra and uh so it's called uh oh i forgot the name of the place yeah but i can remember the place very well like i know the area so because i've, I've lived in Accra after what so i know the area where we took me to, took me to go and see this doctor and he gave me a prophecy he was a man of god and he told my mom why did you wait till this rushes got this far to bring the child to me don't you know that he's going to be a doctor like me and save people he has a great future so your husband should be responsible i i can't remember everything he said but my mom kept telling me the things he said over and over the years so it got, it got stuck in my head so we had a very good christmas we left for a bolga in know uh, in february march i think it was march then we came home i said in the village and i had this uh, elder brother of mine called uh Kubire, and uh, we knew him as Kubire until it's when he became Adams. So he was a cowboy. He was taking care of the family kettle. So like every day he would wake up, uh, you know, get his things ready, go take the kettle out. My grandfather had a lot of kettle. My actual biological grandfather was no more. I've never met him. I only heard stories about how great he was. So I had a uh, step biological father. I mean grandfather. Sorry. Uh, he was Adumbire, so he had kettle, and the kettle were for the family. So Adams was the eldest, who was grown among us. So he was the one taking care of the kettle. So every day, what he would do is, he would get up in the morning, take the kettle out, feed them, and bring them back in the evening. No school for him. He had no other job to do than to take care of the kettle. So every day, Monday to Sunday, that was his job. No holiday, and except you were sick, right? So that's how it went. So when I got back from Accra, I started I started growing a bit older. Sometimes uh, my mom, I, I would just want to go out with a kettle. So I fell in love with it. So I uh, I became a cowboy. So I, it was not my, my responsibility because I was still young. But I just wanted to play around the kettle and also play with my brother. 
So I would go meet him, and they have we had the kettle. What happens is that all the neighbors who had kettle would bring them together, and then all the children would play together. So like would, we could take them to the forest, very far away from home. We had a forest called Ababila. So if you can remember, I have always written Ababila in my stories and my you know. So Ababila is a place like a forest far away from home. Sometimes we took them to Momorin, which means uh, a dump in the forest, right? And other times we just roam around the neighborhood. So all the kids, what happened was that when we bring the kettle together, there's, what, there's a wrestling competition to find who is the strongest for that day. So in, in that hierarchy, they'll start from the smallest to the eldest. So the one who is on top, he would be the last. So when the kettle go away, the 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 the, uh, the weakest person among us will have be the first to go and bring them back, followed by the next until the highest in the hierarchy who won that day. He doesn't do anything. He kisses down and send people to do things for him. So when it's your turn to wrestle and you you you, you don't want to wrestle, you can admit defeat and be lower than the person you're supposed to wrestle with. But if you think you can compete, then you have to go wrestle him. If you put him down and he can't get up then you are the winner of that day and that means if the kettle go far away he has to go uh, bring them uh back or if if it's time for us to go take lunch you will go before him that is what it meant right so i saw all these things i saw this competition i saw bulls fighting you know a lot of competition when we take our kettle out we also see other people who had their kettle. So we meet different kind of people, people you did not know who would threaten you to beat you up and a whole lot of other competitions. People, they beg something from you and you didn't, they will like seize it from you by force. So you got to be tough and strong. So I saw all this. So, uh, but it was not yet my responsibility. So it got to a point, Adam fell sick, but I think he was called Kubira. We tried all forms of treatment. But it did not work. So they had to take him to Accra to go spend some time with my dad while he gets his healing. So it was our turn. I had a cousin, uh, a cousin of my, uh, so what do you call it? My half, uh, my, my half uncle, which is my father's half brother, Atambire. At, at he had a son called Joe, who was a bit older, a year or two older than I. But we we're almost the same age. If you see us, there's no difference. We're almost the same size, same height, because I was a little bit taller than he was. Yeah. So. Kind of like it was our turn to take care of the cattle, but we're two. So what happened was we could not uh, go out concurrently to take care of the cattle. So what happens is we had two days. Joe will go in two days. Then uh, when it, he will rest for two days, and I also go for two days. So that's how we did it. <laughs> Excuse me, yeah, I had a flu. So <laughs> Excuse me, I had a flu. So sorry about that. So Joe took the cattle out for two days, and when it's my turn, I also take the cattle out for two days. So we did that, uh, you know, over and over and over until, yeah, I became a full-time cowboy because we were now the elderly people in the village. So Joe, at that time, I think I was seven or eight. I was seven, roughly around seven. So Joe would take the kettle out. Then, sorry, he would come back after two days and I also take them out. So when it's my turn, I'll get up in the morning. My mom will make some food for me to eat. Then I'll get some millet, you know, and put it in my bag. Then I'll, I'll, we had milk to drink from the kettle. I'll get a water bottle and I'll take my bag. That, I, 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 we had something we called dory, which was a rod. And you take it and you go take the kettle out. You meet different kinds of people. Some people will beat you up. You know, and my house, we had the biggest of the kettle. So we had the main bull who was the master of all the bulls. 
sometimes they want my bull to go fight another bull. I would say no, and they have to force me to let it do it. You know, I saw different kinds of things getting beaten up. I, I lost cattle and I have to go search for them by myself. You know, all night, sometimes when it's raining, you're far away from home. You got to get beaten by the rain. You know, I saw all sort of things, competitions. There were uh, a lot of people who were also protective of me. Sakura from my boss' house. Yeah, I, still, I think he's now grown. He's married now. You know, I had a lot of other guys, you know. I can't mention so many names, but I think the details would be in my autobiography. So I became a full-time cowboy. Every day we go to the forest, sometimes we just roam around. It depends on the name, the type of the, how, what, the weather of the day. If the day was sunny, it's taking the kettle far away into the forest and there was no water. We had to drink water from the running stream and we had to eat only millet. Sometimes we eat wild fruits and then we come home late. Sometimes at 9 p.m., sometimes late they have to. And there was no phone call, there was no nothing. They just hope you come home. So now we lost some of the cattle and they have to wait for us, go search for them in the forest to get them back. And, you know, it was a tough competition until the year 2003. So it was, uh, and what happens is, it was only during the rainy season that we took the cattle out. In Ghana, we had two seasons. In the northern part of Ghana, the rainy season, which is about six months, where it rains continuously. People sow their crops, which is mostly millet, you know, corn and rice and granite and uh, bambaran beans and all kind of crops, you know. So uh, around November to April, there's no rain, so we leave the cattle. No one takes cattle out, so everybody can come home and sit at home. What we can do is only twice in the day, we take them to the dam to drink water, and in the evening, we take them again to drink water. So morning, evening, that's the only duty we had. And at night, we bring them in and lock them up. So during the dry season, which is from uh, November to April, we did not take the cattle out. Just sit at home, take them to go drink water, and bring them back. So uh, around... November 2003, I think it was 11th November, my sister uh, Fatih Atando, she was in Accra, she came home after her BS, B, I think her senior high school exam. May her soul rest in peace. We lost her on the 25th of September in 2022. May her soul rest in peace. She was a great woman. She was, uh, she helped me. She was the one. Without her, I wouldn't be in school today. So she came and said, no, Martins, you have uh, heard you're very smart, you're intelligent. Why is it not home? Let me take you to school. You gotta go to school, get educated, and become a doctor. So she took me to school. Uh, we had an uncle called Mr. Sapat Francis. I think he's still alive. Now I have his number, I just haven't contacted him. He was my mother's external f family, something. Yeah, so she knew my mom. I mean, he knew my mom, Francis Sapat, but I didn't know him. So we, my sister took me to him and said, Okay, this is my brother. I want him to start school today. So I started school that day. In 2003, 11th of November 2003, I think I was eight years old. So I started school, and that was the beginning of my life. I loved it, I fell in love with it. So, because it was dry season, there was no stiff competition. Joe would not bother taking the kettle in the morning, and I'd take them in the evening. But the main trouble came when it was rainy season, so we had to take them full time and keep them. So, Joe said he's not going to do that alone, and my grandfather also got angry with me. For going to school and he cast me he said you will not make anything out of this education that you are doing you are leaving my kettle to go to school you do not you will not prosper in it so i suddenly stood my ground we called my father and we sorted out the difference he said okay joe would take the kettle from monday to friday and i'll take them on monday and saturday and sunday and when there's a holiday i'll take it so that's how it went monday to friday i went to school and then um uh Sunday, uh, Saturday and Sunday weekends, I take 
charge and Joe will rest on weekends. And then when it's a holiday, then I will take charge too. That's how it went. So that's how my school started. And then, uh, you know, I was not that brilliant uh, for the first time, first semester, which was which we call a term. Uh, it didn't go so well. Second term was better. And the third term, I started understanding the system. And I scored all 100. Like, we had five or six. I still have my old papers with me back in my village. So I scored all 100, and I was promoted to class two in 2004. And I had a teacher called Bamit Prosper, who I still know his house up today. And I was taking everybody again i was very smart i was one of the i'm the, one of the smartest kids uh from uh, yeah from that school so i did well again and 2005 i went to primary three and then i had a teacher called magdalene adengba and i was a stutterer i was a stammerer so that woman told me i will never prosper yeah because i couldn't talk in class and all i was very smart and then uh 2006 I went to class four and that's where the whole thing began people started hearing about me i was smart went for quizzes you know people said this guy was intelligent and all that so there was a teacher called daniel inyaba which i'm still looking forward to meet him so he gave us uh, an exam in the third term of uh, the final term of 2004 and i scored all of it so this is about these polygons hexagon pentagon octagon so he said to name them and I got all the marks correct. And he went and saw the headmaster and he said, okay, this guy is too smart for his colleagues here. So let's promote him one class. Let's jump in one class. So instead of going to primary five, I went to primary six directly. So 2007, I was in primary six. And then there is the, my, my story. Like, so I did not go to primary five. So that means uh, I would have been a year later if I hadn't jumped primary five to go to class primary six, it was competitive because I had to jump a class to be with people I hadn't studied with, people who had stayed at the previous class than me. But I did my best and I became the second top person in the class. But later on, I topped the class and that's how the history all started. <laughs> Excuse me. So, yeah. So that's how it is. But can I share some interesting facts uh, from this journey so far? You know, one thing is, never seen my dad. It was tough. Because since I was born, I just heard of him. He was a rich man. He was in a crowd. The whole village honored him. But I never saw him until 1999 when I saw him. And I, I he might have come earlier when I was younger, but I can't remember. The time I remember seeing him was 1999 when I went to a crowd to see him. Until then, I never saw him again until 2005 when he came with my brother Peter and Paul for some ceremony or whatever. And then that was the time I saw him again. So... Never saw him till 1999. Never saw him after six years, 2005. So I was looking at him like, is my father? And I said, yeah, that's him. So life was tough. Going with my mom. My mom would hustle. She would, um, she was selling, or, you know, and had this gold mine. This is not like a large gold mine or something. It was kind of like um, some riverside mining. And they would go in the morning and come in the afternoon. So my mom would wake me up in the early in the morning, like 5 a.m. That's why I'm punctual. If you know me, you ever invited me for a meeting or you've ever called me to come do something, I'll, you know, I'll be, I'll be earlier. I'll, be, I'll come one hour before the time. And that's how my mom taught me. She would wake me up early in the morning. But it, was, it would be very cold in December. We had what we call Hamatan in Africa, in the northern part of Ghana. Very cold and dry weather. My mom would wake me up and bath me. You know, to go to school. 
my mom is my hero she's my heroine because she would bath me and take me to school like sometimes it's rain and i have to cross the river sometimes when it's overflowing you have to walk through another side to cross a bridge called avarimi right and uh, it was tough never seen my father it was one of the, the toughest things to deal with but i i endured it just my mom and i she would work hard my mom is a hard worker and that's what i learned to work hard extra she, she would do a lot. She would farm. She would take care of the goats. We had our personal goods where we tied them. She would go to the market to buy her stuff. She would farm. She would do the cooking, do the harvesting, all by herself. She was the hardest worker I've ever met. So I learned hard work. You know, I learned to endure pain. And, um, excuse me, I had just one uniform for the whole of five years. I had never wore shoe before. No until 2005 when my dad came he bought me some shoe right i just wore slippers and i had one pair of uniform so i learned to manage the leader i had and they had what we call sogum where they were cooking food there was this school feeding program where they would bring food and you only had to pay like uh 500 which is now 50 pesos which is way way 0.0000000 cents but i could not afford it sometimes i could because my mom was trying her best for me and I would pay for it. Sometimes she didn't have, and I just go to school and hope for the best. So we go to school, we eat once in a day. Sometimes if you don't, you don't have money to pay for the school feeding program, you come home empty-handed, empty stomach. My mom would prepare some lunch. Sometimes you go for a funeral or she's busy, she's not home. And I have to come home, find something to eat. You know, it was a tough journey. And uh, I, 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 that's how I learned to fight. From being a cowboy, competing with others, not to be the lowest rank. So I'll go bring the kettle back when they go away. From fighting to protect my bull from uh, going for a bull fight, you know, from fighting to protect what was mine, which were my millet, which I was trying to survive for the whole day, from fighting, you know, not having food, going without water, not hearing from anybody, just go the whole day, they know you are safe, you come back home with a kettle, losing your kettle, going to search for them, you know, uh, getting stung by bees, you know, getting beaten by rain, you know, uh, sometimes we had uh, thorns choking our legs, you know, and I had to make these slippers with a car tire so that we could walk without getting hurt, without hurting our legs. You know, it was a tough journey. You know, and I had this mentality, but I never grew bitter. You know, I was—I have never been bitter any, at any point in my life. I was strong. I was very hopeful and ambitious. So when I started school, I just hoped to go to school. I just wanted to do better. I had no competition. I just wanted to study my books. I just wanted to do better, and. I just kept doing better and now that's my spirit and that spirit has been with me consistency wake up early work hard protect what is yours fight to stay relevant and that has been that spirit that has come with me you know my life's journey is incredible and uh looking at where i come from from pitanga you know uh, not knowing anything haven't even read a book starting school in the following year you know five years in you are the best in the school and uh, making history you know, my journey would continue. I will have a lot to say. I'm, I've written a lot about myself. And uh, I'll, let me just end it here for the beginning. So this is how I developed a tough spirit. It's because of the upbringing. It's because of the things I experienced. Because of my mom's help, my mom's advice. My mom was a tough woman. She's very principled. She would beat me up. And I knew I was always wrong. And then she would forgive me and teach me what to do and what not to do again and she loved me she gave me almost everything that i wanted we didn't have much but we were the among the best in the community she probably it was the best because she gave me everything 
my school fees she would pay it my exam fees she would pay it you know if i needed my uniform is torn she would sew it she would buy me slippers buy me books buy me pens everything about my school she would get it for me and i learned that from her to be tough and fight for what is yours so that is my journey for the uh, for so far and um i just got to love it all right so stay inspired and fight i'll have more to say about me but for the meantime just enjoy this is my life change. so if you can see me today you know don't be surprised because that's how it is i'm actually surprised i'm here so uh but you don't you shouldn't be because if you look at the child that's coming from this place no electricity we had no electricity until i turned 24 we never had electricity i mean sorry until i turned 21 before i left home we never had electricity so imagine no electricity and we had to use lantern to read you know it was become crazy things happened so yeah it's my life journey i hope you enjoyed have a good day see you next month